Hello, welcome back to West Bank Bible Church Podcast here with Pastor Merritt. Today we will be on lesson number 27 in the book of Daniel. And as always, before we begin, as is our custom, let's remember 1 John 1, 9, as may or may not be necessary. First John 1 John 1.9 is a privilege that God has given us so that we may name sin back to him as he shows us. So it's marvelous that we can just simply cite the word for name is Amalageo, which means, of course, to simply call it out. And we call out that which the Holy Spirit shows. And not only will we be blessed by being forgiven for the sin that we name, but we also will be named are forgiven all sin that we've committed. And that's because of course what Christ did for us. So guide us now and direct us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you're following along in the outline, it's lesson number 27. Here we go. Last week we taught verse 33 and 34. When time ran out, we were teaching verse 35. Before we continue, though, let's do an analysis of Daniel 2, verse 35. I want to review an expanded translation of Daniel chapter 2, verse 31 through 34. What you saw, O king, was this. There before you stood a great statue. This great image was awesome in brightness. Its colorful appearance signified severe or several future glamorous empires. Its form was terrifying, a symbol of the great power of the empires to come. The golden head represented you, O king, as ruler, ruler of Chaldea. The breast and arms of silver represent the kingdom of the Medes and the two the Persians to follow, and the belly and thighs of bronze represent a Grecian empire whose kingdom will supplant the Medo-Persians. The legs of the image were made of iron, representing the Roman Empire, and the feet were made of both iron and clay, representing the revived Roman Empire. Then you saw a large, uncut stone rolling down a steep grade. It struck the base of the image, and the iron and clay were smashed into many pieces. The stone represented Jesus Christ in his second advent role. So now let's continue our study of the destruction of the revived Roman Empire. The stone, as noted, was Christ himself. Christ was being referred to as a stone is not unusual. Last week we noted several of these in Psalms 118 verse 22, Mark 12, Mark 12 verse 10, and several others. Now let, let me review some of what we learned last week, and then we will return to our study of Daniel 2.35. 
Daniel writes of these same events in chapter 11. Daniel, chapter 11, verse 40 through 45. At the time of the end, the king of the south will engage him in battle, and the king of the north will storm out against him with chariots and cavalry and a great fleet of ships. He will invade many countries and sweep through them like a flood. He will also invade the beautiful land. He will extend his power over many countries. Egypt will not escape. He will gain control of the treasures of gold and silver and all the riches of Egypt. But reports from the east and the north will alarm him. And he will set out in a great rage to destroy and annihilate many. He will pitch his royal tents between the seas at the beautiful holy mountain, yet he will come to his end, and no one will help him. Ezekiel also speaks of these same events. Ezekiel thirty-eight eighteen, and I'll read through Ezekiel 39, 7. This is what will happen in that day when Gog attacks the land of Israel. My hot anger will be aroused, declares the Sovereign Lord. I will summon a sword against Gog on all my mountains. And of course, that's the Lord declaring Every man's sword will be against his brother. I will execute judgment upon him with plague and bloodshed. I will pour down torrents of rain, excuse me, rain, hailstones and burning sulfur on him and on his troops and on the nations with him. And so I will show my greatness and my holiness, and I will make myself known in the sight of many nations. Then they will know that I am the Lord. Son of man, prophesy against God and say, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. I am against you, O Gog, chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. On the mountains of Israel you will fall. You and all your troops and the nations, they will fall with you. I will give you as food to all kinds of carrion birds and to the wild animals. And you will fall in the open field, for I have spoken, declares the Sovereign Lord. I will send fire on Magog and on those who live in safety in the coastlands, and they will know that I am the Lord. I will make known my holy name among my people Israel. I will no longer let my holy name be profaned, and the nations will know that I, the Lord, am the Holy One.
the Holy One of Israel. Now let's see, uh, let's pick up where we left off last week, David. Daniel chapter 2, verse 38, I'll read the KJV first. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together and become like the chaff of the summer threshing floors and the wind that carried them away that no place was found for them and the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth now verse 35 then the iron the clay the bronze the silver and the gold were broken to pieces at the same time and became like chaff on a threshing floor in the summer the wind swept them away without leaving a trace but the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. We have seen companion passages in Daniel chapter 7 where Daniel himself had a dream. The same five empires described by Daniel in chapter 2 but with different imagery and the coming of our Lord and the second advent are described again. Daniel saw four creatures representing the first world empire, Daniel 7, 4, Babylon. And I'll read. The first was like a lion and it had the wings of an eagle. I watched until its wings were torn off and it was lifted from the ground so that it stood on two feet, much like a man, and the heart of a man was given it. Second World Empire, Daniel 7, 5, is the Medo-Persian. And I'll read 7, 5, and there before me, was a second beast which looked like a bear. It was raised up on one of its sides and it had three ribs in its mouth. They were between its teeth. The ribs were between, between its teeth, that is the bear's teeth. It was told Get up and eat your fill of flesh. The world, third world empire, Daniel 7, 6, represents Greece. And I'll read Daniel 7, 6. After that I looked, and there before me was another beast, one that looked like a leopard. 
on its back it had four wings, like those of a bird. The beast had four heads, and it was given authority to rule. Fourth World Empire, Daniel 7, 7, and 8. The Roman revived. That is the Roman Empire revived. I'm going to begin with Daniel 7, 7 and read verse 7 and 8. After that, in my vision at night, I looked and there before me was a fourth beast, terrifying and frightening and very powerful. It had large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. It was different from all the former beasts and it had ten horns. While I was thinking about the horns, there before me was another horn a little horn which came up among them and three of the first horns were uprooted before it. This horn had eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth that spoke boastfully. Alright, let's take a look at Christ's coming kingdom. David, you want to take over there and... Sure. That's going to be Daniel 7, verses 9 through 12. As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the ancient days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. Then I continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast, the Antichrist, was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire at the great white throne. The other beast, Satan and his demons, had been stripped of their authority, but were allowed to live for a period of time at the end of the millennium. The destruction of the Clay Federation, and that'll be Daniel chapter 7, verse 19 through 27. Then I wanted to know the true meaning of the fourth beast, which was different from all the others and most terrifying. With its iron teeth and bronze claws, the beast that crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. I also wanted to know about the ten horns on its head and about the other horn that came up, before which three of them fell, the horn that looked more imposing than the others and that it had eyes and a mouth that spoke boastfully. As I watched, this horn was waging war against the saints and defeating them until the ancient of days came and pronounced judgment in favor of the saints of the most high and the time came when they possessed the kingdom he gave me this explanation 
The fourth beast is a fourth kingdom that will appear on earth. It will be different from all the other kingdoms and will devour the whole earth, trampling it down and crushing it. The ten horns are ten kings who will come from this kingdom. After them, another king will arise, different from the earlier ones. He will have subdued three kings. He will speak against the Most High and oppress his saints and try to change the set times and the laws. The saints will be handed over to him for a time, times, and half a time. But the judgment shall sit, and they shall take away his dominion to consume and to destroy it unto the end. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom it is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Before gleaning principles from Daniel 2.35, I want to read you some of that written about Daniel and his eschatology, first from John Walvoord in his book, The Nations of Prophecy. That the Ten-Nation Confederacy is a Roman Confederacy and a revival of the Roman Empire is brought out in the second stage of the development, not mentioned in Daniel 2, but is revealed in Daniel 7, verse 8. Here, according to the scriptures, out of the ten horns, or the original ten kings, a king conquers three of the kings and apparently secures a subjection of the others. I considered these horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And, behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of man, and a mouth speaking great things. Daniel 7, 8, as the prophecy indicates, the little horn is described as a man and that he has eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things, such as a man would speak. In the interpretation of the vision in Daniel 7.24, he is described in the words, Another shall rise after them, and he shall be diverse from the first, and he shall subdue three kings. It is quite obvious that his character, that this character, is a man who conquers three of the kings by war with the implication that the others submit to him. His blasphemous character is indicated in Daniel 7.25 and his destruction will occur at the second advent and you can find that in Daniel 7.26-27. The fact that he is a Roman prince is a dedication from Daniel 9, 26 20 through 27. Oh, let's see. Let me back up and show you where that originally came from. His blasphemous character is indicated in Daniel 7, 25, and his destruction will occur at the second advent, and that is described in Daniel 7, 26 through 27. 
Now, the fact that he is a Roman prince is a deduction from Daniel 7, 26-27. According to this scripture in the chronology of Daniel's 77s of years, the Messiah was to be cut off in the interval between the 69th seven parenthesis 483 if you're charting and the 70th seven this refers of course to the death of Christ the prophecy continues and the sanctuary Daniel 9.26 The most sensible interpretation of this reference is that it concerns the destruction of Jerusalem under the Roman general Titus excuse me, Titus in 70 AD which also occurred in the interval between the 69th seven and the beginning of the 70th week. The peculiar expression, the people of the prince that shall come, must be interpreted as referring to the Roman people, for they were the ones who destroyed the city. It then follows that the prince shall come is also Roman. It follows that if he is Roman, then the empire also is Roman. At the destruction of Jerusalem, or excuse me, as the destruction of Jerusalem came approximately 40 years after the Messiah was cut off, it demonstrates clearly that the last seven years of Daniel 9.27 in which a covenant is made with the people of Israel must be subsequent to the destruction of Jerusalem. Therefore, the chronology requires a time period between the 60th, or excuse me, 69th, <coughs> 69th 7 and the 70th 7 which has extended to the present day the prophecy of Daniel 9:27 can be fulfilled when the Roman prince appears who will make the covenant and when he is in a position of power to do that it would therefore follow that the covenant will be signed only after the little horn of Daniel 7 has conquered the ten kings and has reached also a political supremacy. Dwight J. Pentecost in his book Prophecy for Today, which by the way I highly recommend, but Dr. Pentecost says, now let us move on into chapter 9 of Daniel. Daniel is speaking in 924 of the coming Messiah 
and the work that Messiah will do, Messiah will finish the transgression, make an end of sin, and make reconciliation for iniquity. He will bring in everlasting righteousness, seal up the vision and prophecy, and anoint the most holy place or the most holy one. The work of Messiah will bring to fulfillment all that God had promised to Israel. But Messiah is going to be rejected at his coming. That is prophesied in verse 26. As Daniel says, that Messiah will be cut off. What will happen after Messiah is cut off? The Lord said that the destruction of Jerusalem would be God's punishment upon the nation Israel for rejecting Christ. And here, Daniel is prophesying of the destruction of Jerusalem that took place under Titus in the year 70 A.D. This destruction will be by the people of the prince that shall come. The prince that shall come is a Roman prince and the people of the prince that shall come would be the Romans. So Daniel is revealing that the Romans will destroy the city of Jerusalem and the temple. In verse 27, Daniel gave a word concerning this one who is called the prince that is the little horn or the king of fierce countenance. He shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And of course that would be for seven years. David, you want to take over now? This world ruler, when he comes to authority in the European Federation of Nations, will look over to Palestine and see the Arab-Israeli dispute threatens world peace. He's going to make an edict or a covenant with the Jews, saying to the Jews that he will guarantee their integrity in the land of Palestine, and he will give Palestine to them. The nation will look to this man and conclude that the man who gives Palestine back to them must be the one of whom Abraham spoke. Of this passage and concerning an antecedent of the pronoun he, as used in Daniel 9.27, Dr. Thyssen writes, in the 69 weeks take us to the cross of Christ, then the 70th week must come after the cross. But here we note first of all that there is an interval between the 69th and 70th weeks. Tregill says, at the cutting off of Messiah, the recognition ends. Then comes the interval and the time is again taken up for one week at the close. During this interval, the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. 
and the end thereof shall be with a flood, and even unto the end shall be war. Desolations are determined, that's Daniel 9.26. This points defiantly or definitely to the coming of the Romans under Titus and their destruction of Jerusalem and the temple, which occurred in 70 A.D. Concerning the words, the end thereof shall be with a flood, and even unto the end shall be war, desolations are determined. Pastor Merritt, you have something to say about H.A. Ironside? Yeah, David. Having been uh, possessed by the cigar, so also was H.A. Ironside. And when questioned about it, like, why do you smoke cigars? You're a man of God, you know. And his comment back was, well, Jesus had his figs, and I have my cigars. <laughs> he was something. Let's see what old H.A. Ironside has written. These words briefly describe the history of Palestine from the coming of the Roman armies under Titus to the present time. Jerusalem and Palestine as a whole have been trodden down of all nations and shall be until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Then we know that the city and the sanctuary shall be destroyed by the people of the prince that shall come not by the prince himself. As we have seen, these people are the Romans who fulfilled this prophecy in A.D. 70. The prince comes to the fore in verse 27. The verse reads as follows, And he shall make a permanent, excuse me, and he shall make a firm covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And upon the wing of abomination shall come one that maketh desolate. And even unto the full end and that determined shall wrath be poured out upon the desolate. There is, however, considerable difference of opinion as to what is the antecedent of the pronoun he. Most commentators think it is the anointed one in the per, excuse me in the first part of verse 26 some taking the pronoun as a neuter think it it's the weak as if the weak would confirm the covenant with many but how we would ask can the reference be to Christ 
when we have just been introduced to the Roman prince. It seems necessary to make the pronoun refer to him. Furthermore, when did Christ make a firm covenant with many Jews for one week? And how can it be said of him that in the midst of the week he caused the sacrifice and oblations to cease? When the temple sacrifices continued for about 40 years after Christ's death on the cross, it would seem absurd to refer the pronoun to the weak. How can a weak make firm a covenant and then break it in the midst of itself? It is more natural to refer the pronoun he to the prince mentioned in verse 26, namely the Roman prince. However, not to Vespasian, Roman emperor from A.D. 69 to 79, nor to his son and successor, who was Titus, who ruled from A.D. 79 to 81. The reference is to a Roman prince who shall come after the long interval of the last half of verse 26, which has already lasted 1,900 years, and the last week is still future. Chagallus takes the pronoun he of verse 27 to refer to the prince that shall come of verse 26 and says the prince who shall come is the last head of the Roman Empire the Roman power itself the person concerning whom Daniel had received so much previous instruction all right, David, now you're going to have the pleasure of telling us what John Walvoord in his book, The Millennial Kingdom, has written. One of the most important Old Testament predictions comes from the pen of the prophet Daniel and is contained in Daniel 9.27. It, if the futuristic interpretation of this passage be accepted, it yields an important chronology for the context of the millennium. The 69 weeks of Daniel, which is 9, verse uh, 24 to 26 of chapter 9, have demonstrated by their fulfillment that the time unit is a year, each week being a period of seven years. By this token, the 70th week described in Daniel 9.27 must also represent a period of seven years, as no such period followed immediately the fulfillment 
of the 69th week. The futuristic interpretation of the passage looks for fulfillment in the last seven years preceding the second advent of Christ to establish his millennial kingdom. The one making the covenant mentioned in Daniel 9.27 is identified with the prince that shall come, of verse 26, and is the same individual who becomes the dictator of the whole world during the tribulation time. The arguments for and against this interpretation have been stated in an abundance of scholarly literature and need not be debated here again here. According to Daniel's prophecy, the last seven years before the second advent will begin with a covenant between the prince and the people of Israel. It is evidently a covenant of protection of and of religious liberty under which Israel is free to reestablish their ancient system of sacrifices. In the middle of the seven years, the covenant is broken and the sacrifices cease. This may be done in connection with the effort to deify the world ruler of that day, which would make the worship of Israel, as well as the true faith of believers in Christ, illegal. Thus begins the great tribulation, the period of, of trial never before experienced for all who would worship the true God. This time of tribulation must run its course, even unto the full end, Daniel 9.27. But it is constantly reiterated in Scripture that deliverance will come with the second advent of Christ. According to Daniel's prophecy, this will occur seven years after the covenant is made and three and one-half years after the beginning of the Great Tribulation. Wow. You think the uh, old king's head is swimming right now? <laughs> Wondering what in the world? Good night of mercy, excuse me. Dude. No rain, no sleep, no darker night <laughs> will keep us from this mission. We've only lost power once so far. Wow. <laughs> okay. Well, hey. go ahead, David. Tell us more. Well, what I want to tell you is we thank you for being here. Okay, We're glad we could be here. Look forward to having you again with us again next week. Remember, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And Pastor Merritt, close, close us with a nice prayer. Father, we are grateful that we can call you Father. We are your children, and uh, it's our privilege to be children of God. Why? Because we have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ as David just recommended. Faith alone in Christ alone saves you and the wonderful work of Christ on the cross keeps us saved. So thank you so much for what you've done for us. Now guide and direct us as we want to continue to study the book that describes old uh, Daniel himself and his, his counterparts. <laughs> In Jesus' name I pray. All right, David. Until next time. So long. <laughs>